You're listening to my dad's podcast. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on ronanddonradio.com. All right, here we go now. It's uh, the Ron and Don Show, episode number 18. That's right. How about that? Welcome to the Ron and Don Show. We're legal. Everything uh, at (laughs) ronanddon.com. Don't forget, we're licensed brokers with Windermere. And all you have to do is reach out to Ron. Ron Upshaw at windermere.com. Don O'Neill at windermere.com. And we really appreciate you allowing us to be a part of life's biggest transaction. Speaking of being a part of life's biggest transaction, why don't we take a moment here? Because you just had something really cool that happened with a client that reached out to you that ended up buying a piece of real estate and after he bought this piece of real estate it just wasn't a life transaction it was a very emotional transaction he reached out and thanked you you reached out to tell me ron it got very emotional between you two right yeah this was uh kind of an unexpected uh benefit i think of of getting into real estate and i was thinking about this a lot when we went through this deal for years and years and years when we would do stuff on the radio, we were kind of one step removed. Um, even when, you know, I went to Haiti or Japan or whatever uh, and would be a part of, like, we would raise a lot of money uh, after the earthquake in uh, in Haiti. We raised a bunch of money and raised a bunch of supplies, and I, I went over there. But it, it's not one-on-one. Like, I was there, uh, you do a big event uh, you reach out and you're at an airplane hangar and like it was, it was cool and I'm super glad I went. Or in, in Japan when we did uh, things with an orphanage and we raised a million dollars after the tsunami. I went there and, and it, it, you're giving back to the community and it feels awesome. But it's very different when you do it one-on-one. Uh, when you change someone's life one-on-one and the transaction you were talking about and just to sort of have a, a moment to celebrate a success in life. Uh, I met these folks. Uh, I haven't asked them if I could use their name, so I'm not going to use their name. So I met these folks, uh, and they said, hey, we want you to be our our, uh, our broker. Can we go around and buy, look at some condos? So we started looking at condos. And I got to know them and got to know their story. Uh, the man, the husband here, he works at Amazon. He's from another country, and uh, he moved here. And he's, he's American now, but he moved here and, and, and worked around America, and now they settled in Seattle. He works uh, at the tech firm. And so we started looking at all these condos, and it was like he, he was a little bit nervous because where he grew up and where he's from, buying a piece of real estate at the price that you have to pay in Seattle was unimaginable. Hmm. Like he, he could not have even comprehended what that would mean. If you took the 10-year-old version of him and said, someday you're going to be in America, you're going to live in Seattle, and you're going to look at a piece of property that costs this amount of money, he couldn't have even imagined that. And so that when he's doing that, that, that came up from time to time where he's like, ah, he would just, there would be these emotions that would come over him because of the, the magnitude of what was happening. And, and you know, you know, you've traveled and I've traveled around the world. It's just, it's different parts of the different parts of the world are different. And so we looked at all these different condos and we just kept looking, kept looking, kept looking. And finally him and his wife looked at me and they said, you know what the, the truth is? Uh, of what's going on here. We want to live in that building. He literally pointed at a building in downtown Seattle. And he's like, that's the building I dream about that one right there. And I, so I opened up the the listings. I was like, there's no listings in that building. Nothing's for sale. And he's like, I want a two bedroom, two bathroom condo in that building. And I was like, Oh geez. 
Well, let me see what I can do. And so what I did is there was nothing in that building that met his requirements. And so I wrote a letter to every person that owns a two-bedroom, two-bathroom condo in a higher, it's, a, it's like a 30-story building in downtown Seattle. So I wrote a letter to every single owner in there and mailed them out. And so I had a guy, uh, actually two people responded, but one of the people, and I, I won't say his name either because I haven't... Uh, I haven't spoken to him uh, to get permission. So uh, he reached out to me and said, man, this is weird. I was just thinking about selling this because I'm getting married. And so I was like, hey, can can uh, I bring these folks over? They'd love to see it. We They go walk in like, this is the place. This is absolutely the place. This is my dream. This is my dream come true. So we put together an offer uh, and I presented it to the owner. And I said, I'm not going to, you know, thank you for meeting with me. I'm not going to, this isn't like some sort of, we're going to haggle and go in this big dance. Like, this is the offer. Like, I totally respect you. Uh, I respect what you've, that you've even met with me today. So it's like, I'm not going to lowball you or whatever. Like, this is, this is it. And here's how we arrived at the price. And I had all my homework laid out. And he was like, I, he goes, thank you for coming. And he's like, no, this is, this is lower than I thought it was going to be. I was like, okay. Like I, I did my best, went back to the buyers and I was like, he, he said, no. And they're like, ah, oh, we knew it. We're very disappointed. Like we knew that that place was worth more than what we could offer. And he's like, thank you for doing that. So then we moved on and we found another place in South Lake Union that was a beautiful condo. And we were moving forward with that deal. And then I get an email. I remember I was sitting on my couch. I was watching a show on Netflix and an email comes across my phone from the owner of the, the building that we just talked about. And he said, I've been thinking about it. Uh, I got so much going on right now. If your buyers still want it, I'll do it. And I nearly fell out of my chair. And so I, I emailed. I thought, were, I thought you were on a couch. Oh, I nearly fell off the couch. Okay. So I emailed back this couple and I was like, I actually called him. I was like, are you sitting down right now? It was like nine o'clock at night. And I said, uh, he's going to take your offer. And he's like, don't, don't, don't joke with me. Hmm. And I was like, no, I'm not joking. And he's like, is this really going to happen? I was like, it sounds like it's really going to happen. And so the very next day I had to, I, we were like moving forward with this other deal. Hmm. So I had to unwind that deal, drive out to Woodenville with this, uh, paperwork on the first deal, put that together, uh, at a red Robin and then bring it back and do finalize the paperwork on this other thing to pull out of that deal, mm. get this thing going. So anyways, we moved all these pieces around and I'm shuttling stuff back and forth, getting things signed, like working, uh, with both of these folks to make sure that this deal comes through. And so last Friday, uh, we got the notification that it was done, that the deal was finalized and uh, I went to their signing where they were signing the, the final documents. And uh, he looked at me and he said, who would have thought that a little kid that grew up in this city, uh, you know, not having a lot of money would someday buy this piece of property. And he got very, he goes, Ron, he goes, you're not just my, my agent. I, he goes, you're my friend now. Mm. And it was it was super emotional uh, to see them, and they invited. They said, "Once we get moved in, we're going to have you over, have some dinner, uh, and I'm going to cook for you the special meal that my my mom taught me how to cook back in the the country where I'm from." And uh, to just to usher that through the whole process, like we've done big things before on the radio where you're sort of a part of a whole process, but I've never like carried the whole thing myself and and created this thing, and it changed these folks' lives. 
And it was really, really great. I, I, I felt really good about it. They feel really good about it. And so and I've got another success story that's going to happen here in, in another week or so. And I don't want to talk about it in, until it's it's fully closed. But it's just it's it's very satisfying to me. And it's very different. It's a different feeling than I've ever had before. Uh, and I'm sure that you get the same thing where you're you're doing something and it's it's happening in real time it's it's i don't know it's very satisfying i like doing it yeah that's awesome yeah thanks yeah. it's been how does that make you feel you know what when you see i should show you the view from this this condo i know why he wanted it in that building it's stunning and when you match someone when you match someone with where they feel the most alive, yeah. that the the physical geography of that, and I know you're like you live on Queen Anne. Like when you're in the right physical space, yeah. your your life just yeah. feels better. What made you take the extra step of writing every single person in that building? Nothing was for sale. Uh, they say about twenty percent of the agents out there uh, do all the business. And there's 80% of the agents that don't do a lot of business. And then we have these discount agents out there, too, that works for some people. But to go over and above like that, not only does that take a lot of time, but that research takes a lot of money uh, to go out and and provide that kind of service. So well, I knew they were. Uh, there was a 100% chance of them not getting in that building if I did nothing. Yeah. So if that's what you want, you got to go for it. Yeah. And I told him, like, there's a low probability of this working. But let's try it. I love that you tried and it, it. And it worked. Relentless. Yeah. Ron Upshaw. If you want us uh, to be a part of your life's biggest transaction, Team Ron and Don, we'd love to be a part of that. How can people uh, uh, reach out to you? You know what? I just want you, when you think real estate, think Ron and Don. Like, that's all I can When you think, when you're driving around, you see a sign, you see a house, you're on a website, you think real estate, think Ron and Don. Email me, ron at windermere.com, Don O'Neill at windermere.com, and like, we'll do it, man. We'll go after it for you. Yeah. It's all at uh, ronanddon.com. Click on the microphone, learn more about the co- podcast. And don't forget, uh, you can also click on our picture. Where are we standing, actually? That's kind of a cool picture. I like to say we have faces made for radio, but the camera is is back far enough, and I think we have sunglasses on. Oh, so you really, for the podcast? We're you, really, the... you really can't. And, and, and it, it's for our real estate shot. We actually look kind of cool. We do look kind of cool. Yeah. I was wearing my blazer. I haven't worn that blazer before or since <laughs> that shoot. Right. But I have a blazer. Yeah. If anyway, I need to pull it out, I got it. Go to ronadon.com. Click on the guys that think they're cool, and uh, we have our super trooper uh, shades on and we'd love to be a part of life's biggest transaction or maybe just have some questions maybe you're just getting going and we'd love to be a part of that too so let me ask you this uh do you play a musical instrument i play a musical instrument i started when i was very young in fact our next door neighbor joel my mom paid him five dollars an hour to teach me to play the guitar and uh i do have the shuffle beat mastered you know i do i think your mom overpaid Uh, someone at my house decided recently in the fourth grade now to start playing an instrument. And boy, has it got interesting. Let's talk about that next. It's the Ron and Don Show on Ron and Don Radio Network. Help cops help kids. Go to ronanddon.com right now and buy a t-shirt. And $5 from every t-shirt sale will help kids like me. It's called Charlie's Dinosaur. All right, it's the Ron and Don Show on the other Ron and Don uh, radio network. And don't forget, it's all brought to you by Team Ron and Don. Yeah, we're part of Windermere. What is it, 41% of the for sale signs 
that hang in the uh, Seattle greater metro area are controlled by Windermere. Is that right? About 41%? That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So anyway, we're part of that team. Part of Midtown. Patrick Chen, Tamara Marson are great leaders there at Midtown. you got a question, reach out to Ron. Ron Upshaw at Windermere.com. Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. And uh, we'll get back to you typically in the next 24, 48 or 52 hours. Or right? 51 and a half. There you go. Anyway. Uh, did you play an instrument uh, uh, growing up? I think you did, and I think I was a big part of it, right? Well, I played it. I had an instrument before the instrument you told me, but I, I don't want to steal your thunder on this song because in seventh grade mm. uh, at Hoover Middle School, Hoover Hawks, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Uh, we, if you wanted to proceed in the band class, you had to choose an instrument. Oh, you did. Okay. And so I went to my mother, Yeah. and we were going to, uh, was it called Ken- Kinley? McKinley Keys or Kinley Keys? I don't know. It was some sort of music store back in the day in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I said, Mom, you are looking at a future snare drum player. Oh, yeah. And I said, uh, we need to go to the store, mm-hmm. seventh grade. Yeah. Uh, they have a rental program. I believe it was $9 a month. Mm. We are going to rent a snare drum, get some sticks. I'm a, I'm a born drummer. You know I've played the, the steering wheel my entire life as we're driving around on road trips. Uh, a born drummer. We go to Canelli Keys, I think that's what it was, uh, to get a snare drum. I did not leave with a snare drum. <laughs> I went in for a snare drum. Oh, boy. I left with something else, okay. but I will save that. Until after you do the reveal on yeah. what, what's going on yeah, with Yeah, a lot of, lot of uh, schools have uh, gotten away, uh, and how they got away with this, I don't know. But uh, I guess when you lose teachers, a lot of times the first teacher that you lose will be the music teacher, and sometimes the second teacher that you lose will be your PE teacher, right? And kids need to move. Kids need to move. And also, when it comes to, there's a lot of great science out there about the wiring of your brain, because it takes about 22 years, the first 22 years of your life. Where your brain gets wired. In our case, 42 Yeah, years. and especially for young men, those frontal lobes, that control center of the brain, a lot of that is wired later in life. And they say what can really help young men and young women as far as the neurons in your brain and wiring together and firing together is to learn a musical instrument and also learn a foreign language when you're younger. And so in my son's school, they had gotten rid of a music program. And then the other day... Uh, we had something sent to us. A group of parents had gotten together, and they said, you know what? If we just pay the PTA directly, the PTA could go out, and we could actually fund a music teacher, fund a music program, and let's bring music back to the elementary school. And a lot of us parents said, hey, let's do it. So we wrote checks to get our kids involved in the music program, and then you have to go out and buy an instrument. And here's the thing. Because these kids haven't been playing instruments uh, for the past couple of years, only the fourth and fifth graders at my son's elementary school are allowed to play, and many of them have never played. So I can't imagine what it is like for that music teacher to, not paying sit, them enough. to sit in that music room, and all of a sudden you have 50 kids show up, and they all have brand new instruments or used instruments, and these are instruments they've never played in their lives, and now you have to teach them all at one time how to play a saxophone, how to play a flute, how do you play a clarinet. How do you play a cello? How do you play a violin? And my son How do you play the snare drum? How do you play a trumpet? Snare drum is not offered because we looked at the sheet and we're like, you know, we got rock and roll in our family. And I've been teaching my son how to play the guitar a little bit. Don, I thought your family was a little bit country. Yeah, there you go. And we said to ourselves, uh, uh, we looked on there and and we're looking. We can't find a guitar. You can't find a bass, even a stand-up bass. You can't find the snare drum. And the only thing that we could find is my son was looking at the flute. 
And then he was also looking at saxophone and trumpet. And I said something that is so sexist and so misogynist, but it's just part of my wiring growing up. I looked at it and he was considering the flute. And I said, you know, uh, G-Force, the flute is a girl's instrument. Really? Oh, my gosh. I don't know if that's true. At the age of nine, he set me straight. And he told me that the flute is anybody's instrument. That's right. That any- I'm with him. That anybody can play the flute. And then I got to start thinking. And then he told me that the flute is actually easy to carry. And it's one of the reasons that's we smart. M- we might want to consider playing the flute because it's an instrument. That- and I'm like, oh, okay. you you are so right. Because I'm, I'm thinking in terms of, yeah, I do. The, the, you start thinking the bass or the oboe or something like that. And you got to haul that thing around. Nobody wants to haul that around. So anyway. Your we, son would break a flute in about 15 minutes. I think minutes. so. Anyway, we ended up landing on, on the trumpet. And uh, so I got Doc Severinsen over at my house. Time for, out. That's for what night. I left the music store with for a, when I was in with, seventh grade. With, with a trumpet. With a trumpet. Yeah. Worst yeah. decision of my life. Well, anyway, so we ended up going uh, to a music store in the Seattle area up in the U District by the University of Washington. We came home with his trumpet. His first lesson was last Tuesday. And then we, we, we get in the car and he looks at me and he's like, hey, daddy, I would like to play a little number for you. And and I said, you would. And I said, when would you like to play that? He said, I would like to play that right now. And we're driving home from school. So I'm in the car. He's in the car. Charlie's in the car in the back seat. And I'm trying to figure out how do I get out of this serenade? Because here I am. We're stuck in this Toyota 4Runner together. And I don't exactly want him blowing my ears out with his trumpet as he's sitting in the back seat. At the same time, my ears are already blown out from doing 25 years of radio of the Ron and Don show with you. And I said, you know what? What the hell? Pull the trumpet out and let let's and and I'm wondering how do you know a little number if if you've only if you sat in a band room this is your first day playing the trumpet with fifty other kids how maybe he's you, a natural how would you even know the no so he sits back there and he starts and I don't know what he is playing but he is so pleased with himself it is so loud and I roll down the windows the dog starts howling in the back I look around me as we're uh, sitting on a stop and go light people are howling next to me. And he is blowing the snot out of this trumpet, blowing the hell out of it. Then we get home. He wants to play some more. And then what I find out is he has to play and he has to practice every day. Here's the problem, though, with playing and practicing every day is part of my house is an Airbnb. And I've had some people that have been staying in the house. So for the past couple days, we have had to go out to a park and play the trumpet out, nice. in, out, in, out, out in the park. Last night, there is a party going on over at my house, and there's no parties allowed at my Airbnb. A guy knocks on my door, and he is a personal chef that is stopping by to cook for this party at this Airbnb, and I went, oh my gosh. So my son and I, we ended up, we have earplugs, we have earmuffs, we have all kinds of things that we wear. We went to bed. I get up this morning, and I look out in the, in the trash can. The people are leaving the Airbnb this morning, and there are wine bottles, beer, they're everywhere. As far as recycling goes, I bet we could turn those things in and probably make about 500. I have never seen so many empty beer cans and wine bottles in my life. And by the way, when people travel here, I guess they really like drinking Rainier. Cause there of course. A lot Why of wouldn't you? I told you this morning, they filled up the recycle can in my backyard. They filled up the grass can in my backyard. They filled up six garbage cans in my backyard, and then they filled up my neighbor's garbage can, who, by the That's way, a is, lot of bottles. is out of town. So we went ahead and we used Adam's garbage can. He's in South America right now. So, Adam, we use your garbage cans. I just want you to know, full, full disclosure. We woke up this morning. They're supposed to be out this morning, and they're not up yet. 
And so I turned to my son and I said, you know what? I think it might be time for a little trumpet practice. 7 a.m. Remember that little number that you played for daddy in the forerunner when we were driving home from school last week? He said, yeah, dad. I said, go get your trumpet. I'm going to get some earplugs for the dog. And let's let the folks know upstairs that it's time to get up and get out of my house. So anyway, he pulled out his trumpet. He played a little number. And about 12 minutes later, we could hear the pitter-patter of folks walking upstairs. And with 10 minutes after that, an Uber pulled up. And they were gone pecan, and they were down the road. So anyway, if you're having a hard time, getting relatives out of your house or maybe you have an airbnb that's connected to it like i do and people just don't want to leave you may want to pick up the phone give me a call because i have a little trumpet player trumpet for rent little trumpet player and he could come over and play a little number and uh we could probably get your house cleared out in about 20 minutes anyway i think i think the trumpet's gonna stick i think not so much for you, though, growing No, up. I got headaches and a cold sore in the middle of my lip. I was done. In about a month in or so? In about a month. Anyway. All right. Hey, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, in fact, we may get the band back together, right? You play sure. a little guitar. I taught you how to Let's play Let's do guitar. it. we got a band called Country Evil. If you'd like to be a part of that, uh, reach out to us. And we now have a new trumpet player. We need a trombone player. Trombone. Are we adding horns to the trombone, band? Trombone, by the way, was not on the list. I saw a flute. I saw a clarinet. I saw a saxophone, did not see a trombone. Yeah, a lot of nine-year-olds, that's a hard one to play. You're a trombone and a cello player. We need you. It's the Ronnie Don Show, only on the Ronnie Don Radio Network. Get out of my house! the uh, Ron and Don show only on the Ron and Don radio network and Paul McCartney is back in the news at the age of 77 he looks incredible Ringo Starr looks like he's about 25 years old I know that both these guys have gone vegan in fact uh, Ringo Starr's been vegan now I think for close to 40 years and he said when he was younger uh, he and the, along with the rest of the Beatles, I guess they experimented a lot with just about everything. He's really open about it. And then also he's lived a life of recovery for quite some time. And I never really understood. You had Paul McCartney who wouldn't talk about John for a long time. Now he's talking about John Lennon a lot. They don't talk about George Harrison much. Uh, and you would never see Paul McCartney with Ringo anywhere. And now we're seeing them together quite a bit. And, in fact, the other night I tuned into Jimmy Fallon. And it was Jimmy Fallon. I don't know if you've seen this, Ron. Along with his entire band, and they pull out the kids' instruments, Ringo Starr is sitting in the middle of all of it, and they're all singing We All Live in a Yellow Submarine. I want to encourage people uh, to Google it. It's up on YouTube. It's amazing. And you see how talented Jimmy Fallon is. You also see what a little boy he is. And Ringo Starr 
is fantastic. And my understanding is, is that one of the only songs that he ever wrote and he ever performed with the Beatles? I think Yellow Submarine is kind of it. If you look at Kiss, well, for instance. Ringo it, also did uh, Get By With A Little Help of My Friends. Oh, he did. I think okay. he sang lead on that one. Yeah, and I, and I think if you look at Peter Chris with, with Kiss, for instance, one of their biggest hits ever was the power ballad of Beth. Yeah. And Let's I not think, compare Kiss to the Beatles, I think it's the, I think I think they've made probably more money. It's the, but, but when we look at drummers, a lot of times when drummers uh, push away from the kit and they come out and sing a song like Yellow Submarine or like with Beth or even Phil Collins, he had a number of hits too uh, over the years when yeah. he pushed away from the kit. And and even look, even look at that old drummer from Nirvana when he pushed away from the kit and Dave Grohl put a guitar in his hand. We found out pretty good performer, pretty good guitar player, and pretty good singer songwriter. So anyway. Back to Paul McCartney. Is he talking a lot right now about John Lennon because he misses John Lennon, loves John Lennon, or is it a way way for him to get back in the news cycle so he can introduce us to some of his new music? No, the reason he's in the news cycle is he wrote a children's book, and it's called I think it's called Hey Grand Dude. And so his uh, one of his grandkids was like, hey, grand dude. And he's like, oh, that's funny. So uh, bouncing off of Hey Jude as well. So he wrote this uh, children's book. That's why he was he's making the media uh, tours. But the, the interesting one, I saw the interview on, with Stephen Colbert on Late Night with Stephen Colbert. And so in this, he uh, was talking about, uh, they had a really interesting interview because Colbert just is a huge fan and he goes into sort of fanboy mode, unlike I've ever seen him. Like he's just kind of fawning over, and telling uh, Paul McCartney how important his music was to him growing up. And um, at one point, he talked about, and I hadn't heard him talk about this before, that he dreams about John Lennon. And so the dream that he said was was interesting and it was very specific, and I wonder what people out there that do dream analysis would make of this. So he said in the dream, um, he is hanging out with John Lennon and is like, hey, do you want to write some music? And he's like, Sure. So John Lennon goes and grabs his instrument and starts playing the guitar and singing. And Paul reaches for his bass, the Hofner bass, uh, the, the very famous bass. And he said, for whatever reason, in his dream, the entire fretboard is covered in this sticky tape. And it's wrapped in tape, the whole thing. And so he's, he's grabbing, he grabs a guitar, and John's there, and he's, like, anxious to play. And he sort of begins to panic, and he can't get the tape off of the neck. And so he's, like, scraping and trying to unravel the tape and get it off and, and, and be able to sit there and play with John. And then the dream kind of ends where he can't play with John, and he can't get the tape off of the neck. So I don't know what that means, but maybe some dream analysis guys would uh, would know what that means because it's pretty interesting uh, to me that he that's the dream that he, the recurring dream that he has. The other thing when he talked about dreams that was very interesting is the song yesterday. Uh, he was living in this apartment in 1965 or 64, and he had a little upright piano next to the bed, and so he wakes up in the morning, and he has that tune in his head. Uh, the da 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 and so he, he woke up he's like oh that must have been something my dad used to play because uh, his dad had all these this big record collection and his dad was a musician so he sat down at the piano he tinkers it out and he's like okay like obviously that's that's a song that i just knew from my kid my youth i can't place it anywhere so he goes to john he's like john what what's this song and he plays it and john's like i don't know george 
What's this? He plays it for the guys. Nobody knows the song. Goes to George Martin, the producer of the Beatles. He's like, George, you know a lot of songs. He goes, you, you're a, a huge producer. What's this song? So he plays that. George has no idea. And he goes through, um, he said for two weeks, he would play this melody to all the musician friends that he knew. No one knew it. So after two weeks, he's like, I guess that's my song. Hmm. And he put the lyrics to it, uh, and it was. It turned out to be really good. And then the final thing he talked about in this interview, have you seen the movie? Uh, I believe the movie's called Yesterday. It's about the kid. Have you seen this movie? Because I, I went to, with, with my mom. I've seen a movie called Yesterday starring Dick Van Dyke. No, that's from not a it. long, long it, It's actually a very powerful movie because Dick Van Dyke, uh, I don't know if, if, if you go back and look at some of the interviews he did on the Dick Cabot show, he did on the Tonight Show. He is one of the first stars to ever come out and talk about being an alcoholic and alcoholism. And if you've ever had a struggle with substance, Google that on YouTube. And he was certainly before his time. And he was treated in some ways by these talk show hosts who would sit there and drink and smoke cigarettes on, on set like he was some kind of Frankenstein. But his enlightenment, going all the way back to the 70s, when he discovered that he was an alcoholic, Dick Van Dyke then was in a movie called Yesterday. And it's a movie that is, in some ways, about him and his life. But it sounds to me like you're talking about uh, a different a Yeah, it's different a movie, movie called Yesterday. Uh, the storyline... Not pretty, starring Dick Not Van starring Dick Van Dyke. Okay. Dick Van Dyke just came out. It's, uh, it's this uh, kid, he's a struggling musician in England... And he's trying to make it. And then you got to go with this premise. A weird thing happens uh, on this one night with like an electrical storm. Oh, okay. Everybody in the, on the planet forgets the Beatles and some other things. Like certain pockets of knowledge disappear from the earth. Oh. Uh, and Beatles is one of the things that just disappears. Okay. Except for him. Okay. So he's the last guy on earth. Then he has to recreate the Beatles catalog by memory because all of the records are gone. All of the music is gone, and so he goes out and he starts to play Beatles songs in the clubs, yeah. and he becomes a worldwide sensation. Hmm. And it's starring Ed Sheeran is in it, uh, a guy named Himesh Patel is in it, uh, Kate McKinnon is in it, and so this movie started to get pretty good buzz. I think um, Danny Danny uh, Danny Boyle might have been the director on this. I, correct me if I'm wrong on that. But um, so Paul or Paul McCartney said him and his wife snuck into a movie theater and sat in the back row to watch this movie, just in a regular movie theater. He didn't want to do a corporate screening or a private screening. He wanted to see it with people. Cool. And he said it was uh, amazing uh, when they started playing the Beatles songs of how much uh, that he just enjoyed being there. He said he had his hat on real low and wore some dark glasses and like a hoodie sort of deal so no one would recognize it. That music stands up. When you, oh, when you haven't listened to a Beatles song for a, a long time, and I was playing some Beatles for my son the other day, it, it resonated. These guys are pretty good. So what was the tension between him and uh, younger John Lennon for so long? Because those guys would sit in a room and they would create well, he, he music together. And, and didn't it have to do with with who got credit for writing which song? Uh, part of that started to happen because they, 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 uh, when they came of age, it was like Leonard and Bernstein or not Leonard and Bernstein. It was like there were these songwriting duos and I'm blanking on the Carl name. Carl and Bernstein. Right 
Carl Bernstein. Carl Bernstein is Carl Bernstein. a different guy, Watergate. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there were these famous songwriting pairs, so they decided they were just going to do that. There was a little bit of that. It, it was just guys that were young and a huge amount of fame, and the band broke up, and people started blaming Paul. He talks about that, where everybody was pointing their venom at Paul, and so he started to question himself. He goes, maybe, maybe it was me. Maybe I did cause the breakup. But he said him and John loved each other. Um, the fame was so great that there was just a lot of pressures. It, there wasn't looking back on it. Now it was like, it was just youth and fame and money and power and all of those things. And people wanted to bring Yoko into it and all this stuff. And he's like, at the end of the day, they pulled out this picture where him and John and, and Paul are working on a lyric and you can just tell, you can just tell that they were mates, that they were friends, that they loved each other. And he's like, that that's what survived. Yeah. The love survived. None of the other stuff. Do you have did. any uh, a, a dreams like that? I have a I I have a reoccurring dream, and it's myself and my late sister Colleen, and and it's a dream about something that really happened. Uh, I went to a high school called El Dorado High School, and my friend Steve came up to me and said, "Hey, it was a football practice," and he said, "I signed you up for uh, the talent show." And I said, you did? And he goes, yeah, because you can play a really great four chords on the, on the guitar. As we've already talked about. And he said, why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you come and play at the talent show? And you could sing a song. And I'm like, oh, this is easy when you go to high school parties and everybody's drinking beer. Maybe that happened or maybe it didn't happen. And then everybody sounds great on the guitar. But it's different when you're at a talent show and there's like there are 23 acts that were signed up. And I'm like, how do I get out of this? So my this si- is in the dream or this is in real life? This is true. My little sister, who was in middle middle school at the time, she had never sang publicly before. But I would hear her sing in the shower, and I also hear her sing in her closet. And I went to her, and she would sing this Anne Murray song. Anne Murray from Canada. It's called A Little Good News Today. And I'm like, hey, I need a background singer. I have this talent show coming up, and I wonder... If you'd come and sing with me, and she was so shy that when she would sing, she would just close her eyes. And she's like, yeah, I'll come do that, and I'll sing, I guess I'll sing back up with you, because we would sing sometimes together. But she wasn't willing to get up there and be the artist. She's three years younger than I, so I think I would have been a sophomore at the time, so she was maybe in seventh grade. So anyway, she came in on the stage. I started playing a little good news today, and she stood up there, and we started singing together. And then I stopped singing. She had her eyes closed. They turned up her microphone. And she sounded just like Ann Murray. And she brought the house down. She was absolutely incredible. So for whatever reason, this reoccurring dream shows up. But what happens is she ends up walking off the stage. The spotlight comes on me. And then I have to finish the Anne Murray <laughs> A Little Good News today. Pull out of your range, is Everybody it? stands up, starts throwing tomatoes at me. They walk out of the place. I get kicked out of school. I get thrown in prison. It's the end of my life. So that's the reoccurring dream. What really happened is she went on to be this great Christian artist. And she recorded all these songs. And uh, sometimes when I think about her, I just put on one of her records. And, uh, and that resonates. And I get to connect with her. And that way. So it was a really great gift that she left behind. So anyway, it's the Ron and Don show. We're going to come back and finish up with a little good news today only. 
on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Before we get out of here, a lot of people use a lot of dating sites. Match.com is actually in there. Right? They are in trouble right now. And Match owns, believe it or not, the Match Group owns Match, Tinder, OkCupid, Hinge, Plenty of Fish, and some others. It's the same owner that all that. The one they don't own is Bumble, and they've tried to acquire them, and they've had some lawsuits go back and forth. Here's what's happening, though. The FTC, Federal Trade Commission, is suing Match for this practice, and if you've ever been on an online dating app, you'll recognize this. You get an email, and the email says, someone is interested in you, and they've sent you a message in the app, uh, and so, but you have to join to see the message. And so they, um, you're curious, and sometimes they'll even be like a blurred out picture, uh, and you're like, ah, well, that person looks kind of attractive. I wonder who it is. So <laughs> you get this curiosity, yeah. and then the email will. So the first time you ignore it, then you get a second email that says, Someone's waiting for you to respond. Waiting. Now. And uh, there's a message in your inbox. First, it's in the app. First, they're interested. Now they're waiting, waiting for now. you to respond. And so yeah. um, over the course uh, between uh, 2013 and 2016, uh, 499,691 customers got these emails. They went on to match hmm. and they paid for a subscription. They open up their message folder and it says profile has been deleted. Oh. So what was going on? Ted, it was Ted Bundy. It was not Ted Bundy. He's no longer with us. It was a bot that would go out and just start spamming all of these different profiles. Uh, and the what, and that's not illegal. That's not the illegal part. Like, there's no way to prohibit... There's no way that an email service or a platform like Match could stop someone from creating fake accounts. But what this suit is saying is that they knew these were fake accounts. The FTC's uncovered documents that Match would flag an account as a spam bot and then after it was flagged, still release the email that says someone has messaged you and is waiting for you. And therefore, they increased their... So half a million people paid to get this account. And then they also, when you tried to unsubscribe, there's like six or seven steps you have to go through to unsubscribe and to stop being your payment going through. And so I would imagine if you've ever been on one of these dating apps and this happened to you, there's going to be some sort of settlement. There's going to be a class action lawsuit uh, that's going to pop up uh, to where people can get some money back. And, and if it's half a million people at least fell for this, went out there, curiosity uh, killed the cat, so to speak, and you're like, I wonder who it is. Yeah. And you go out there and it turns out to be a spam bot. You know what I think is really hard about this too, and that, that's kind of a fascinating story, and this happens, I think, a lot to women, uh, and this has happened to me before too. I was on Match a number of years ago. You try to unsubscribe, and then you're like, oh my gosh, they, ju they just took out another another payment, and I thought I unsubscribed. You're right. Just hitting the unsubscribe button doesn't work. There are six, seven, eight steps that you have to take in order for them not to continue to take that payment out of your bank account each and every month. And then on top of that, 
in fact, I was thinking I, I, I started to date someone. And so I went to them and I said, hey, I want to let you know I was on these websites. I'm I'm off these websites now. And I, I think we're dating exclusively. And she was like, yeah, well, I just want to let you know you're probably still going to see me on there because I have canceled on some of these websites before and they continue a lot of times. And, if, and again, I think they do this a lot with women. They continue to use my profile and even when I have canceled before. And on some of these websites, men have to pay. Women don't. Uh, and I wonder what the legalities will be in that down the road. But a lot of times they'll keep your profile up there, and you're like, "Yeah, I think I've connected." You must with be somebody. better looking than me because I don't think they keep mine. Like, get this guy out of here! <laughs> get those pictures down ASAP! <laughs> Giving the whole app a bad name. That is hard, though. It's, if if you got an email and someone's interested in you, that someone's waiting, and you're like, "Really? I've never had anyone waiting for me. Someone's waiting for me. That's kind of cute, isn't it?" It makes it's, I mean, yeah. you're going to pay. If it's like, ah, it's $19, I guess, or whatever it is. I guess I'll pay. I better get going. My dog's waiting for me out in the car, and chances are if I leave him out there too long, something else is going to be waiting for me, too. Yeah. He, yeah. Left, he left that for you last time. <laughs> hey, if you want to reach out to us, uh, I love the story uh, that you shared uh, when we started the Ron and Don Show, episode number 18. First and foremost, thanks for sharing the episode. We love when people do that, don't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. Like, uh, rate us. Give us a star rating on iTunes, on the other uh, players. You can do that. Uh, you can become a monthly sponsor of the show at uh, anchor.fm. Yeah. Uh, and just look for our show. Hit that button if, if you want to do that. T-shirts are available. $5 goes to Charlie's Dinosaur. Uh, we got the dog bandanas are available. We love those pictures when they come in. You can subscribe to our newsletter at ronanddon.com. Just put your info in there. And again, reach out to us uh, if you need yeah. some real estate. Real quick, I had a friend reach out to me the other day. She bought a condo in North Tacoma, and I gave her some advice on that. And then when it was time to write the deal, she said, hey, I just felt like the deal was, was too small. Uh, for you and Ron. And I was like, it kind of broke my heart a little bit. I'm like, it, it's not about whether a deal is too big or too I small. take all deals uh, under... No, I was just going to make a smart Alec comment. We'll talk about your deal. What's that? I was trying to make a smart joke, and it was it was not landing, so I stopped before I yeah. I, I put my oh. foot in my mouth. Yeah. Uh, the point being, doesn't matter whether your deal is a big deal or a small deal. It's, it's a, a big, big deal to you. It's a big deal to you. It's a big we, deal to me. And we'd love to be a part of that. So just reach out to us. Go to ronanddon.com. You can write Ron directly. Ron at windermere.com. Don O'Neill at windermere.com. If you forget that. Because uh, you're working out right now, or maybe you're out riding your bike, you're on the elliptical, take care of some kids. Maybe you're running. Shout out to Erin. She's running. She says she only listens to us when she's running. All right. or maybe you're blowing your trumpet. <laughs> That'd be a bad time to blow the trumpet. Yeah, if you need someone to come over and get people out of your Airbnb with the trumpet or get your kids or your husband up out of bed, uh, just let us know. I've got a little trumpet player. We'll take care of that for you. Everything about us, ronanddon.com. Thanks for stopping by, being a part of episode 18. Thanks for sharing it with all your friends. It typically drops on Monday. We were a little late today, so we apologize for that. You keep your head up and your shoulders back. We'll see you next week right here. Ron and Don. We're back.